Welcome to the Project Zion podcast. This podcast explores the unique spiritual and theological gifts Community of Christ offers for today's world. everyone and welcome to another episode of Project Zion podcast. This is Brittany Mangelson and I will be your host for this episode and I am very excited for the conversation and the guests that we have today. Um, we have on Lexi Frazier and Lexi and I we met at spec in what year was it? 2016? 2017? Which year was it? Probably, Lexi? probably 2016. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I did a little bit of uh, guest ministry out at SPEC, and Lexi and I met in one of the classes that I taught, um, and we've just kind of kept in touch ever since then. And Lexi is headed to Graceland in the fall, uh, and she currently serves in her congregation as a priest. And so this isn't necessarily going to be a chai can even, because Lexi is not technically a millennial so suddenly I feel kind of geriatric with this conversation. Um, but I just wanted to get Lexi on to talk about her experience in Community of Christ and her excitement to go to Graceland. Um, and then just to kind of highlight the ways that she has been able to be involved as a teen and young adult in the church. So Lexi, I feel like that was a mouthful of an introduction, but welcome and thank you for being on Project Zion today. Of course. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Um, while technically I am Gen Z, I definitely relate with millennials more, so don't feel that. <laughs> That's great. Sometimes I feel like I relate to baby boomers more, which is kind of random, but you know, that's, I, I understand what it feels like to feel out of sync with your, uh, generation. So Lexi, why don't you just introduce yourself a little bit? I mean, I gave a few talking points, but just tell us who you are. As you said earlier, I will be attending Graceland in the fall. I'll be studying special education and Hispanic studies and also going to the seminary there. I live in Holden, Missouri, which is in the middle of nowhere. And if you know where that is, then you're definitely from Missouri. I graduated just three weeks ago and I attend the Oak Grove, Missouri congregation. So... Lexi, I want to hear a little bit about your history with Community of Christ. Uh, have you always been a member or are you a convert? And what was your introduction to the church like, etc.? Technically, I'm eighth generation of the church, but I was converted over. I was introduced into the church by my adopted mother when I was eight and was baptized a couple months after I turned 10. So I was baptized when I was young into the Catholic Church, and then when I met my adopted mother, she started bringing me to Community of Christ and fell in love, got baptized by my grandparents, or my grandparents confirmed me and my mom baptized me. That's awesome. What are some of your earliest memories of church in Community of Christ? Camp. Um, between my third and fourth grade year, I went to junior camp for the first time. And I just remember experiencing this love and welcome that I hadn't felt anywhere else, really. And I enjoyed campfires. Campfires have always been my thing. And 
just fell in love with the church through camps. I think that is how a lot of people fall in love with community of Christ. Truthfully, that's how I fell in love with community of Christ, even though I didn't find it until my mid twenties. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, there really is something special about camps. And speaking of camps, what about spec? How, how many years did you go to spec and what were your experiences like there? Um, this year will be my fourth year at spec. And I don't think that I could say anything that would properly give Spec the praise that it deserves. I could, I could sing praises about it all day long. Um, I ran the first 5K that I've ever ran in my whole life. It took me 45 minutes, but I jogged it. And I still had people that finished probably 30 minutes before me that were sitting there waiting to encourage me and that were excited that even though I slow jogged the entire time, I accomplished something that I was proud of. I would have been slow jogging right alongside you. I'm not a runner. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a runner at all. I have a friend that absolutely runs. She's in cross country, made all state. She's great. And she jogged beside me the whole time because that's just the atmosphere that Spec creates. It creates an atmosphere where everybody is loved and everybody has their own place and can do what they would think is impossible. No, I love that about spec too. And I, when I was there, I've only been um, for a partial week, one year. And I was so intrigued and inspired and encouraged by the broad activities that you can do at spec and then the broad abilities that they accommodate. So if I understand correctly, you can be a beginner and try something new for the first time, a new sport or a new activity. Um, yeah. And it's fine. And there's, there's people that are willing to play with you. There's people that are willing to teach you. You can be in plays. Like there's all sorts of things. And we've, we've done an episode on spec before. Um, but I, just being there and seeing how the community and how the campers rally around each other and support each other in such a real tangible way is so inspiring, especially because I think a lot of times teenagers get a bad reputation for bullying and um, being very clicky and, and not to say that those things don't happen because certainly they do, but there's something about spec that really kind of bring in our enduring principles of unity and diversity and all are welcome. And um, you know, all these, these things that we, preach and teach and try to live by in community of Christ, they just come alive in at spec, which I've really appreciated. It's absolutely beautiful. Do you have any other fun spec memories or favorite things about spec? Well, one of the most exciting things that has ever happened to me at spec, and this is kind of a humble brag, but last year I won both the Inspire and the Wallace Smith scholarships at spec. And it's an opportunity that I'm extremely grateful for. I didn't realize, well, I, I didn't realize until I talked to your mom at World Conference uh, that you had won both of the scholarships. What did you have to do to qualify for those? Um, and, and what was that whole process like? Well, for the Inspire Scholarship, which is based off of our mission initiatives, we had to write an essay which sounds super fun, but I did it. And afterwards, we, in interview, you just kind of talked about what you're doing to live out the mission initiatives in your daily life and 
all that fun stuff. And then for the Wallace B. Smith, you filled out an application and they had this big, long group interview project where you sat in with a group of four other people and a panel interviewed you. And that one was really focused on what do you do as far as church leadership or leadership within your schools even. That sounds intense, uh, but rightfully so because it's a big deal. So Lexi, I... I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves um, because before you went to spec and before you decided on Graceland, et cetera, um, I know that you were ordained. You are ordained, um, which in community of Christ is not overly common for people who are in high school to be ordained. Um, So I want to hear about that a little bit. What were the kinds of things that you were doing that was that, how were you engaged in congregational life? Um, what kind of led up to your ordination? Well, I was ordained on November 25th, so it was a little bit after spec. But one of the things, and it's funny that you brought that up right after you asked me about my scholarships, but one of the things that I said during my interview, um, President Vizi, he asked me, what's something that you struggle with right now? What's a struggle that you're having? And I kind of, I poured my heart out to him. And I told him that I felt a call. I did. I felt very deeply within myself that God was calling me to do more. And I also had the feeling that that was a priesthood call. And so what's difficult about that is that my mother is my pastor and she cannot process that call. So I just kind of explained. I said, I feel this call, and I know that I cannot be called into that office, but I'm just going to continue to do whatever I feel I need to do, and I don't need that official title. Um, So as far as what I was actually doing, I run the AV system at church a lot. And I went to our worship planning commission and I helped decorate the sanctuary and really just anything that I could. I got very involved. I threw myself into the church. What can I do? What do you need me to do? And I did it. So I just want to underscore what you just said um, for the listeners who might not realize the significance of what you just said. In an interview with the president of the church, (laughs) when he asked you what you're struggling with, which is a pretty intense question to be asked by the president of your church, and you spilled the beans that you had a sense of call. I mean, that is so, oh, like that, that's a big deal. And um, I think a lot of times, especially as women, we're kind of maybe conditioned to think that we shouldn't quote unquote aspire to something like that or um, that it's there's there's this fine line between how do you respond to a call and yet the call is in the hands of someone else and so how do you just make it known that God is working within you and through you and and just to admit that to the president of the church, I mean, I think a lot of times people have a hard time admitting it to themselves. And so for you to be able to admit it to the president of the church, that's, that's a big deal. 
I came back from my interview and I called my mom because she's my best friend and I tell her everything. And I said, oh my gosh, mom, you will not believe what I just said to President Lindsay. And I told her and my mom was like, what did you do? Why did you do that? And I was like, I know. Um, a funny story about that is when I was nine, so I wasn't even baptized in the church yet. I went up to our pastor at the time, his name is Mark, and I walked up to him and I said, Mark, you need to make me the world's youngest priest. I said, I know it. I know that's what I have to do. I'm going to be the world's youngest priest. You need to make it happen. And obviously we know that didn't happen until I was 18, but he got very emotional when I was ordained and he told me that he had felt that since I came to him when I was nine. What a great example of just honoring and answering the call at such a young age. So uh, what has ordained ministry done to the way that you interact with the congregation? For me, it hasn't changed that much. I felt that I was already serving in the role as best as I could without having that official title, but it has laid out some guidelines to me that has made it easier. Taking those Temple school classes, I'm telling you, even if you don't have a call, they're awesome. And it teaches you very important things on how to interact with the congregation and how to improve that community that you are in. And I just, I think it's been easier for me in the sense of it's laid out some, it's taught me more. Uh, I will say that I interviewed Janae Grover, who I know is a good friend of your family's as well, uh, a while ago, several years ago, when I was in Independence once, and she had said something about the office of priest and how that was her initial call to priesthood. Um, it was mine as well. And that that office was kind of the foundational, it laid the groundwork for all the ministry that she did, that she's done in the church ever since. And I am, you know, only a couple years into this ordained ministry thing, but I feel like that the foundation of a priest and seeing Jesus as a friend and living that out, um, that aspect of, of Jesus's mission is so vital in this day and age when relationships are so important. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and so I, I think that the office of priest it's so vital. And I, I really appreciate that there are younger people getting called because like you said, you were already doing a lot of what the priest ministry was. Uh, you just have the ordination. Yeah. Uh, I was known as the high school priest. So it became a thing. As soon as I was ordained, it seemed like everybody knew like all of a sudden I can go to her with this problem and I can, you know, I can ask her, for advice, which, you know, I don't necessarily think that a priesthood office means that I can give you this great advice, but all of a sudden I became everybody's sort of support, and I loved that. I loved serving in that way. I love modeling Christ as a friend. Yeah, and I, I mean, we've only met a couple times in person, but I feel like just from what I've seen of you and what I know of you and uh, you know, we've been Facebook friends since that initial meeting. I, I really see that coming alive in you and through you. Um, and again, I just think what a great office. So much of 
the ministry of a priest spills into other offices and ministries and camps and all the, all the things. Um, it's all about relationship. It's a very missional office. It is. Not only that, but one of the things that I love about the office of priest is, is being an advocate. Mm. Yes. I love that. So have you, have you seen that play out in your life so far as a priest? Um, as I said at the beginning of the interview, I am studying special education. And so I feel that a lot of what I'm preparing myself to do with teaching and a lot of what I've already done as a counselor at Camp Moja, which is awesome. I can tell you more about that if you'd like. Or working with my, um, my high school Special Olympics team and stuff like that, just advocating for the worth of those people, specifically those people that have intellectual or maybe physical disabilities and don't always recognize that worth within themselves. Yeah, I was in that line of work for several years during college and even a little bit in high school. I did a lot of volunteer work in high school. Um, and I, I know what it's like to advocate um, for that population. And, and you're right, that is advocating. Uh, there's no doubt about it that they, they need somebody, they need a teacher, they need counselors to stand up for them because this system that we live in is not necessarily built around their abilities. So let's, yeah, you mentioned a camp. Yes, I want to hear more about that. <laughs> All right. Camp Moja, it happens at Camp Donovan here in Missouri. It is sponsored by the Community of Christ. And it's a camp for people with disabilities. The word Moja means the number one in Swahili. And so the goal of Camp Moja is to put our campers who aren't always considered number one, put them first and to show them that they have that worth and they deserve to be treated well. So you were a counselor there. How many years did you do that for? This year will be my third year and I swear I will go to Moja until I physically cannot make that trip anymore. <laughs> Do you think that that's what sparked your interest in going into special education? Oh, 1000%. Not only that, but also the fact that if I become a teacher, I can have summers off and I can continue to do like I'm doing now where I do six camps a year. <laughs> that, that is true. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. Six camps. Wow. What other camps yeah. do you do? I do our family or reunion. Um, I do Moja. I do Children's and Junior, which is one camp together, but I do that camp. I help at Junior High, and then I do Senior High and Spec. Nice. That is, that's a busy summer for you. Oh, yeah. I leave on Saturday for Moja and don't come home for the rest of June. Nice. <laughs> Very, very nice. Are you going to keep being engaged in camp life once you are at Graceland? You know, like next year when you have a year of schooling under your belt, is your plan to just come back and dive right back into the camp scene? Of course. I 
not imagine a life without camps. They really, I see them as sort of my charger. You know, I have the year where I, I occasionally get filled, you know, spiritually, but nothing can fill you quite like camp. Hmm. Man, we need a Lexi clone out here in Utah, I think. I'm getting ready to do kids camp in a couple of days. And I'm like, go, this is, hopefully it all works out. But (laughs) It will. It will. I know it's so stressful because you're like, you want it to be perfect. But I promise you, it will all work out. Well, I'd feel a little bit better if you were here with me. So... Okay, so let's talk a little bit more about Graceland. Um, So you're going to be studying special ed. Uh, What else do you plan to get involved with? Uh, How do you plan to stay involved with both, you know, the college scene or the church scene? What are your plans for going to Graceland? One of my things that I am most excited about is up at Graceland, we have our community development club. And that club, works a lot on just some volunteer work and building the community but they also yearly take a trip down to Guatemala and that's sort of one of my connections with Graceland is the fact that my family goes and we do that well really my congregation goes and we do a trip very similar to that every year I first met the Community Development Club down in Antigua, Guatemala, where they were coming back from the village where they had built a church, and we were going into the village where we were going to build some some stoves, and that happened to also be the same night that Graceland won the NAIA basketball championships, and so we got to watch that from a live stream in the hotel in San Martin, Guatemala. What a surreal moment, I bet. Was it a surreal moment? I would feel like it would be. We were, we were in our hotel getting ready to head out. And I was sitting on the rooftop, which was absolutely beautiful. And they have this weird little part that cuts out in the middle. And I was looking down and I saw Max Pitt and he had a Graceland hat on. And I looked at my dad and I said, oh my gosh, dad, there's Graceland. And <laughs> We didn't realize it at the time, but there was this group of Graceland students sitting on the other side of the roof. Like, yeah, what about Graceland? And I was like, well, and it was a really neat conversation to have. So I'm just super excited about getting involved with the Community Development Club. I'm super excited about campus ministries and just all that fun stuff. I'm excited for the Inspire program up there and the seminary what's the inspire program i don't know if i've heard of that is that related to your scholarship yes it is okay Um, yeah tell us about that so they have this i'm i don't know too much so i can't really tell you exactly what it's about but it's um it's kind of like this course that you can take and if you if i'm not mistaken if you take it all four years or you get the required amount of credit you graduate with what's called like an inspired student and so I have to do that course because of my scholarship that's one of the requirements to keep it but also I think I would have done it anyway it's really cool they create like they create ministry plans and 
they read a book every year from what I understand. And so I'm really excited for that. Cool. Yeah, that sounds like a really good way to stay involved, you know, like get involved from when you're first there and to really just dive into the college experience. Of course, it's Graceland. It's the middle of nowhere. I got to keep myself <laughs> entertained somehow. <laughs> oh, I've heard so many stories from people that have gone to Graceland. And the good news is, is I'm sure you're <laughs> going to have exciting stories. <laughs> oh, I uh, So, Lexi, what gives you hope for Community of Christ? Or what, what do you like about Community of Christ? What, what keeps you going? What keeps you engaged? And what gives you hope? Well, we've already talked about this quite a bit, but the enduring principles, I love those. Um, Specifically, the worth of all persons, as I've talked about before. I believe that that's something that is lost sometimes within theology and organized religion. I feel that theology can often be used to marginalize a person. And I love the fact that Community of Christ stands up and actively says, we are against when unhealthy theology is used and we recognize the worth of all people and we advocate for the marginalized and the oppressed. And I love that. On top of that, another enduring principle that I just absolutely love and I'm super excited about is continuing revelation. I remember my first world conference I went to was the one in 2016 and I was actually working in youth service corps at the time, and they asked us, they said, who wants to be a page? You get to wear a red shirt, and I hated the fact that I was wearing white, so I agreed, and I actually became really interested in the business meetings, and when we were going over the words of counsel, which we now know as Doctrine and Covenants 165, and just absolutely fell in love with what that was saying. And just the idea that we believe that God still talks to us today, which I really don't think is that crazy of a motion of a notion. And it just excites me. No, I agree. I think that one thing that keeps me engaged with community of Christ is the idea that God is not done yet, that God is not Mm -hmm. finished and that we are not finished with God and that it's this, Uh, back and forth and a dance, if you will, of (laughs) how can we bring Christ's mission to the world more fully? Um, It's it's exciting. It's really like mission oriented and um, just propels us into the future. Mm -hmm. I could talk about the mission initiatives all day long if I, if you'd allow me. Well, Um, I mean, love that. (laughs) You can talk about them a little bit here. I mean, we're already podcasting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My mom, one of my favorite things that my mom has ever told me is she told me, if it doesn't fall under a mission initiative, then why are you doing it? Mm. And I I wholeheartedly believe in that philosophy. Um, They inspire me and they challenge me to become a better person and I just absolutely love that I love anything that you can inspire growth within a person that's a really interesting way to look at things 
in my congregation, we have had different activities where we've decided on what ministries we're going to focus on the most. And we always make sure that they align with a mission initiative, or at least, you know, that's the starting goal uh, where we start out with. Uh, but I've never thought of kind of taking that to a, a personal level, you know, mm-hmm. why, why would we do things align with the mission initiatives? I, I, I'm going to think about that in my own personal life. Definitely, it's something that I've made the conscious decision to try, and I catch myself sometimes. I do, because I'm not perfect. We all know that. And so I'll find myself doing something, and I'm like, where's, where's the abolished poverty and suffering in that? Mm. You know? There's not, and that's why I shouldn't be doing it. <laughs> I'm like twiddling my fingers thinking about that, honestly. <laughs> I know. It's, it's a lot to chew. It really is. It really is. And then, you know, if, if we're living them in our own life, then what would that mean for our congregations, for our mission centers, the church at large? I mean, if we are all living them in our individual life, how would that transform the church and then transform the world, you know? Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd love to see it. Man, you struck gold with that one. I guess it was your mom's idea. <laughs> yeah, my mom struck gold. My mom, I swear, she's the genius behind most of the things that I say. Oh, she's great, too. So, Lexi, what would be some of your hopes for the future of the church? I guess my hope for the future of the church is to just really get just out of our comfort zones. I wholeheartedly believe that the mission of Jesus Christ is not sitting in a church pew. And while that's fun, and I definitely think that we need to continue to be a community, and we need those people that we can sit and rely on. But I also believe that if we're comfortable, then we're not doing it right. The people that we need to be reaching and we need to be inviting to Christ aren't the ones that are already in our building. They're the people that we don't want to talk to. They're the unloved and the uninvited. And we need to get out there and we need to do what we need to do to let it be known that Christ loves them. Spoken like a true priest, you know, and I think of the ministry of Jesus and how uh, we continually see him reaching out into the margins and the you know, what we call the leftover people or the people that society didn't want to mix and mingle with a whole lot. But that's where Jesus always showed up. I was going to say, look at who Jesus hung out with. <laughs> yeah, yeah, look at who Jesus hung out with. It's, it's true. And I, I really appreciate you bringing that up because it is uncomfortable. I mean, it, it, there is a lot of comfort in just staying with the people that look like you, that think like you, that worship like you, um, that are sitting in a pew like you, uh, but to actually break down the walls and the barriers that are uh, stopping us from connecting with others, I think that that's when ministry is, it just comes, uh, it comes alive, you know? Well, thank you. Thank you, Lexi. I'm glad that you came on and uh, just showed that You know, youth of this church, I really think that the youth of this church um, are such a strength. And I 
think that sometimes you guys don't get the credit that you deserve for the depth of understanding and curiosity and sense of identity and belonging that you have in this church. And that was one thing that I noticed when I went to spec that I, I just don't necessarily get in my own congregation because we don't have any lifelong uh, yeah. teens or really even convert teens or, you know, uh, we, we don't have a lot of teens at all. Um, no, I understand. I'm the, I'm the only senior high in my congregation. I get yeah. it. Yeah. But you're going out into the world and it's going to be great. And I'm really excited for you. I'm trying and thank you. <laughs> and maybe we'll have to have you on again after you've had a little bit of Graceland time under your belt. And you can tell us your wild Graceland stories. <laughs> I would love nothing more. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Lexi. Thank you, Brittany. Thanks for listening to Project Zion Podcast. Subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcast, Stitcher, or whatever podcast streaming service you use. And while you are there, give us a five-star rating. Project Zion Podcast is sponsored by Latter-day Seeker Ministries of Community of Christ. The views and opinions expressed in this episode are of those speaking and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Latter-day Seeker Ministries or Community of Christ. The music has been graciously provided by Dave Hines. 